If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online. It remains your number one spot for NBA, MLB, MMA, boxing. It doesn't matter. Every single prop, every single play, every single point, it's all at Bet Online. When it comes to bets, when it comes to props, everything that you need is at your headquarters for sports betting. That's Bet Online. Head to the website right now, use your mobile device, sign up, get a 50, that's 50% welcome bonus. Don't forget to use the promo code BLEAV, that's believe, to get yourself a 50% welcome bonus. Come on, there's no need to hesitate. Bet online where the game starts. I hope you're ready to have your mind blown with the greatest health and fitness information on the planet. <laughs> Hello, you've arrived. How lovely. It's the Mikey Likes You podcast. I am Mikey, who likes, you are you, who is liked. Still must apologize for the uh, nasally sound, but I'm on the back end of uh, whatever sickness it was. I don't know. I don't think it was COVID, even though a lot of people around me are like, I'm going to stay home today. Uh, Apparently I have COVID. Um, I don't think it was COVID, but I, I just have this thing. A lot of people bitch and moan about especially people who moved to texas within the last couple years this cedar allergy doesn't exist doesn't exist i don't think so why do you say that uh just yeah no as an allergy person growing up i don't i don't feel it here i don't see it here the mold maybe but i don't i don't don't, don't honestly have an allergic reaction three years after living here no no it's a good point i Maybe it's honestly, maybe it's just growing up in a relatively urban environment for 40 something years and then going to a farm. And I got some because I have gross stuff go in my body all day, every day. There is a, a not. I don't think like I'm a German Scheiße video guy, but like there's this some level of feces is getting in my mouth and nose every day. You had to build up those immunities. You were a yeah. city boy. You didn't have. You had yeah. different immunities. It's true, it's true. But I, either way, I'm still. As you can tell, I'm a little congested. But uh, it's getting better every day, and I feel like I'm on the uh, I'm on the back nine with that bad boy. Let me mention before I get uh, into today's Q and A. 
I want to thank all the people I need to thank. First and foremost, thank you, Giorgio, again, for helping me out and doing all the production and, and also letting me use this amazing studio. <clears throat> I'm getting nothing but a lot of uh, positive comments. And um, in my own life, I get a lot of uh, commentary from friends of mine. They're like, man, it looks great. So thank you. Uh, Bet Online, Blue Chew, um, and First Detachment, the greatest health and fitness supplements on the planet. Um, and my Patreon is available. If you are interested in any way with the crap that I talk about, um, I do think my Patreon is a place for you. Um, I try to provide a lot of value. Absolutely. It is. It's a giant revenue stream for me. Um, and I, I wouldn't necessarily do it if it wasn't, but I enjoy it and it uh, provides me the ability to get more geeky about a lot of the stuff that I talk about um, and also to dive into topics that I just don't think are necessarily appropriate for the podcast. Uh, and that's all available to you at the bottom tier, five bucks. Uh, it helps me keep the show going and make this a reality as far as like doing it for a living. Um, the next tier up is provides availability for you to join in these monthly AMAs where I kind of go and do ask me anything's live on camera with you. Um, and there's the training programs and nutrition information available there too. Then the top tier is I personally train you uh, remotely, all custom tailored nutrition training, all for you. And then um, I have a sp special email address available just to my top tier clients where you can interact with me. I always try my best to make it as quick as possible in uh, as far as response. There's the accountability of you checking back in with me every week, which helps greatly. Um, I there's That's the reason why I still train with people under people because I, I, I don't think like I'm gonna get a lot of new information. I can always learn more, I can always get better, but it's the accountability of answering back to someone uh, frequently kind of keeping myself honest um and, and that's a, again available to you all over at my patreon i will make sure to put links in the show notes below all right so today is a good old-fashioned q a and i'm going to scroll down on these comments here at at mike catherwood and i'm going to do my best to answer these questions now i will be very honest with you i cannot put any guarantees from a medical standpoint, that this is good information that I'm giving you. But I will always try my best. I will always give you my best answer. Veracity of it, no claims. Here we go. <laughs> at Mike Catherwood, by the way, at Mikey Likes You One, the number one, if you want to get in touch with me on that there Instagram. Oh, hey, Sneaky Pete, I know that dude. I trained with this man at Gracie Humaita in Cedar Park. What is, in your opinion, the optimal rep range for hypertrophy work? Excellent question. And it's it, the answer is one of those super bummer answers that happen a lot in health and fitness and probably should happen a lot in a lot of other fields, but people are scared to do it. And here's the, here's the answer, the real answer. It, it kind of depends. There is no clear-cut answer. Now, let's get into just the basic undeniable truths when it comes to 
hypertrophy work or, or muscle gain, muscle um, addition of muscle. That's what hypertrophy, hypertrophy or hypertrophy, depends on how you say it, um, means in a nutshell. It's going to be a higher rep range than for pure strength work and power work. That That's one of those scientific facts that all sports scientists for years have kind of come to agree. If you want to build maximal strength, um, absolute strength, you are looking at, you know, one to three, maybe five reps at the most. Hypertrophy is going to absolutely come in rep ranges above that. Now, how much above that? I think greatly depends on A, the, the performance of said reps. That is a factor that not a lot of people talk about, okay? If you are using exaggerated eccentrics or negatives, really slowing it down, increasing the mechanical tension on the muscle that you're training, four to six reps of those is equivalent to 16 reps of like pumping it out. I don't know which one's better or worse, but there is that factor, okay? That's why I opened up with it depends. Really what is, when you're talking about hypertrophy, the most important thing, the most important thing, not how close you get to failure, not the rep range, not the amount of weight, it is mechanical tension on the muscle you are looking to train. That is a really, really, really long-winded kind of rabbit hole to get down on exactly what that is. But like the, the dumb guy way to say it is the amount of actual activity going on in the muscle cells, internally in the muscle cells, during the time that you're doing it. And there are certain things above and beyond the weight, the weight is absolutely a factor, but above and beyond the weight that you can do to increase the amount of mechanical tension. Now, Mike, I'm a dum-dum. Yeah. Let me, can I can I try to explain? Uh, please. Would this be an example of like uh, an insisted weight to failure? Or an insisted negative? Like, um, you'll, you'll a rep out, rep. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yes. force, you'll, you'll rep out to failure and then they'll assist you through the rest or possibly something with chains that like keeps the tension all the way through uh, yes. the rest rep. Yeah. No. So accommodating strength, accommodating resistance, like a chain or, um, a band added to regular weight and resistance. Those things are the, all of these things factor in a forced rep. Like you said, you're getting to the point where, uh, you just can't go any higher. And then someone is spotting you and they just give you the little bits of lift to, to go push. Now, these are going to overload the, the muscle that you're training, but it is, it, it is all kind of versions of the amount of mechanical tension or activity that you're, you're doing. Let's say in the chest, right? If I, if I take 75 pound dumbbells and use five second negatives and a two second pause at the bottom and then explode up, that is going to make it a harder for me to do heavier weights. I could probably do nineties for 10, right? But I could probably, if I was using that, I could probably do nineties for like four with that slow of a negative and a pause. But the amount of tension in, we're talking, we're talking hypertrophy now. We're not talking becoming stronger, becoming quicker, becoming faster, becoming, we're talking about building muscle. The amount of mechanical tension that was provided to my muscle cells in those four to five reps of doing it with a super slow negative, um, really focusing on the form and keeping my, maybe not retracting my shoulders as much as possible and arching to lo to lower the range of motion, maybe increasing the range of motion and keeping my elbows in and just focusing on driving the pain of um, what's going into my chest, all right? That is mechanical tension. 
That is what you want to maximize. Now, to answer your question a little bit, uh, as far as rep ranges, typically you need a higher rep range to elicit muscle growth. Okay, higher rep range in comparison to pure strength training. That is why you will see, especially in weight class powerlifting, you will see guys that you're like, how the fuck is that guy lift squatting 600 pounds? He has, you know, John Jones has really powerful legs. John Jones' legs looks like he's going to die tomorrow from malnutrition, okay? Um, and there are some bodybuilders who have the most insane legs you've ever seen. They're like just muscle overlapping, looks like comic book characters, and they're not going to win a powerlifting contest. They're simply not. That is That is exactly why this happens, okay? Because of the style of training, the way, the fashion in which they're doing their reps and the application of the mechanic, mechanical tension, okay? Um, the, the really, really famous kind of example of this, I, I'll hope, hopefully I could find the video of it. I wish I could remember the, um, the power lifter's name, but it was Tom Plotz, the bodybuilder at the time who, who went against him. And still to this day, Tom Plotz is known and he was in his peak 40 years ago and still to this day he had the greatest legs anyone had ever seen and they did a like a squatting contest and when it came to who could lift the most weights the power lifter just crushed tom you know tom did well he got up you know really high compared to humans probably in the 500 range you know 400 high 400s um but then they did a considerable amount of weight i think it was 405 for reps and tom plotz did like like 15 more reps than this power lifter could do because he's working in strength endurance rep ranges as opposed to this guy who's just looking to lift more weight. So what do you want to do if you're looking to elicit muscle growth? You want to find the rep range that is best for you. And by the way, here's another factor. And this is another reason why I went like, well, it kind of depends. What body part are you training? Okay. Anything below your navel typically is going to need a higher rep range. And that's why training legs is so miserable. People are always like, oh, I love to train legs. I go in and I do my leg extensions. No, no, it's not going to cut it. Not only do you have to squat and or, or lunge or do these, these compound movements with heavier weight because there's more muscle below your belly button, but you have to do it for like 16, 20 reps. You're scaring me right now. I'm just thinking back on doing lunges with 45s and a, and a barbell and it's it's misery it's it's uh, that and then that's the best way to describe it and this is why i always tell people i don't think you understand what training hard is the reason i don't think you understand is because you're reporting back to me it's like i love these workouts that's not that's great if you're just getting off the couch right you're and i'm not talking shit i actually it, it, it gives me goosebumps. I get so inspired by people who are like, I'm 5'10", 330. I've never exercised in my life. I don't even know what a fucking carb is, but I want it and I want it. And they, and they do it. Absolutely. Getting your body moving, doing some, you know, doing some calisthenics, you know, it will give you the results you want. If you've been grinding a bit, you've got some horsepower and you want to make the, oh my God, have the, oh my God physique by summertime. It's fucking miserable. It's fucking horrible because it's high intensity and high volume. It's it's 20 reps on a leg press with weight that you can barely get. And, and by rep 13, you're in pain. 
and you do seven more reps and you're just like, ah, I can't believe it. Um, it it's fucking misery is comes from bodybuilding style training. Um, but typically lower body is going to take higher rep ranges because why? We're bipedal ex uh, animals. We walk on our hand, uh, our legs all day. We go upstairs. Even if you're not an active person, you are walking on. They need a a higher level of resistance and a higher level of rep range to just to, to, to damage and create that mechanical stress. Um, you're not ever really unless you're like an offensive lineman, like putting yourself in a chest press position throughout your day, you know, maybe like the, the two times a year you move some furniture, right? You're pushing it across it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like a dumbbell press or a bench press, that's, it's not something that is constantly taxed. Um, so you're, you're going to need to kind of pull out less bells and whistles to apply that mechanical stress. Um, but anywhere from above five to, I would say around 20 is going to give you what you're looking for if you provide the, the right tension for the muscles that you're intending to train. Um, as far as like covering most of your bases, super training, and then subsequently, uh, Mel Stiff, I believe, wrote super training, and then subsequently, um, the Westside Barbell guys, Louis Simmons, and Charles Poliquin have had the blueprint for, for hypertrophy training and mass for years, and that is, you know, higher sets, higher amount of sets with 10 to 15 reps. Okay. Um, you're really pushing endurance once you get over 15, certainly over 20. That's really more about endurance. And then strength is going to be below, you know, six is going to be almost exclusively building strength. 10 to 15, if you're just looking to like cover all your bases, get the most safe approach to developing mass, those are going to be. You're, that's the sweet spot, you know? So look to 15 to 20 for your legs, look to 10 to 15 or 10 to 12 for things like shoulders, chest, and upper back. That is a, a very clean, easy way to kind of cover all your bases. If you're looking to get jacked, which I, by the way, everyone should at some point, even if you're sitting at home going, dude, uh, I'm overweight or I'm a skinny chick. I don't really care about I just want to tighten up. I don't really care about being like, no. The greatest thing you can do for longevity, the greatest thing you can do for quality of life, the greatest thing you can do for sports performance in practically any sport is add a little bit of muscle. Do you want to add an exorbitant amount of muscle to where all your movement patterns are distorted? No, no. But adding muscle to your frame is the best thing you can do as far as like, the shotgun approach to health and fitness. You can eat more and stay leaner. That's pretty fucking awesome. If you're, I, I, I have a client that I'm working with right now. He's five foot 10, 180 pounds. I'm five foot 10, 178 pounds. I eat more than he does a lot. Why? Because he's, you know, 20 plus percent body fat and I'm at the same size carrying more muscle. I eat more and I stay leaner. It's, that's pretty cool. Um, so don't, don't look at it as like something that's reserved for people who are like, have vulgar, veiny, buff physiques, adding muscle. Now, is it appropriate at every instance in your life? No. If you're a college athlete in season, you don't want to be training for hypertrophy because it, it you're, you're going to be sore too much. 
It'll compromise your skill training. Um, if you're someone who's uh, incredibly overweight, you're just body fat loss, weight loss is important. You don't need to be worrying about bulking up, of course. But at some point, everyone who's at, at all interested in longevity, health, fitness, and their physique, there has to be some point where there's a devoted block of training to hypertrophy. <clears throat> aside from recovery, this is Mark Chenard. Aside from recovery, what other times in your life have you realized you needed a change? What would you do if you found yourself in a rut with work and school or the path others expected of you to increase the alignment of your day-to-day -day life? That's a deep question, good question. I can't uh, really think about times in my life. Well, certainly, look, dropping everything and moving here to Texas was a big leap of faith for me. And I don't regret it, not one bit. But as a guy, a grown man who has a family, going from one place where people rather frequently would offer me jobs to kind of a guarantee of being like, all right, you got, got to start from zero was pretty scary. And I definitely had to have that talk with myself, right? <clears throat> but I thought, I'm not, I'm not sacrificing my ability to do something that I've always dreamed of doing by going out and starting from ground zero. In fact, I'm probably forcing myself to go after it a little bit harder. Because even though I could probably live more comfortably financially and have more steady work staying in Los Angeles, not probably, I, I absolutely could. There were radio stations all the time. They were like, hey, want to come do their afternoon shift? Do you want to be a co-host on the morning show? I and mean, like rather frequently. Or podcast friends of mine, comics, that were like, you want to get in on this? Bad boy. Um, none of that made me look at my life and pretend I was 90, looking back on things going, geez, I'm really happy I did that. None of it. None of it was bad. I'm not talking shit on those people or those jobs. But none of it really gave me that soul boner. And I knew that if I came here and just moved away from all my contacts, all my people, blah, 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 <clears throat> there would be a, 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 a transitional phase and there's been some rough ones, man. There has been some rough ones. I can't, I don't know if I'm capable of talking about the, the project or the people yet. But a dude called me, a friend of mine, who's a very successful writer in Hollywood. Very successful. And he said, blah, 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 blah show. And the showrunner, Mr. or Mrs. Fill in the Blank, is resuscitating this legendary comic show um, I've worked with you in the past. I'd love for you to come on board as a writer. And I was like, uh, I live in Texas now. He's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> and that one hurt, man. That one hurt. 
So there's been this period where it hurt. But I'm constantly making these choices day in and day out that I just never would have been forced to make if I was back in this weird comfort zone. And I'll be very honest, there's there's been a handful of times where like my parents, my mom, uh, most most notably would be like, hey, um, I really liked turning on the TV every day and seeing you wear sweaters and shit and being like, hey, that's my son, you know? How come you just decided not to do that? And I was like, well, I, it, it really let, left me feel, left me feeling lacking. It really did. It was, uh, <clears throat> and that's hard to wrap your head around when you're getting paid well to do something. It's hard to go like, well, this doesn't make me feel very good. Here's another thing I have to point out, and I'm not trying to be that guy who's like, oh, just go follow your dreams. I have, I, I have and had a certain level of financial security when I decided to make these choices. And I know that that plays a huge role in other people. So if you're looking, listening to this or you're in a similar situation as this uh, person who asked me the question, my best advice would be hold on to your job as is until, you know, hold on to the, to the way you're getting by until you really feel like you're capable of not being, you know, not suffering too much. Um, but our, our whole struggle since the day we're born until the day we die, our whole struggle is having that, finding that balance between authenticity and connection. You authentically in your heart know, uh, I don't want to be an accountant. I don't. But I put a roof over my wife and my kid's head and it's stable and I work for a great company and they're happy and I want that connection. I know, and even on a small level, I know I don't wanna go see this fucking movie. Shit sucks. I know it's gonna suck, but this is, my, this is my fiance and she really wants to see this movie, right? We do it every day. You're good. My parents have always dreamed that I would be a doctor. I wanna play guitar. I want to be, I want to be fucking slash my parents, since they moved here from India, their whole life is built around me being, you know, a doctor and you have that balance. You find the authenticity versus connection, because those are the two most important things in like human existence, that entire purpose of us, right above and beyond. If we're going to sit here and, and have the crazy arrogance to say that we're better or we're elevated above other creatures because all their purpose is is to survive and reproduce well we have that got that established so what do we have above and beyond that we have this weird inner turmoil this existential thing and it's like authenticity to who i really am what i really love what i really hate versus connection because everyone needs connection people die not in such a simple way but people die of fucking broken hearts and loneliness all the time I remember when COVID started that <clears throat> I put up this post and I meant it. I said, as much pain as <sighs> pills and powders and booze caused me, 
the most painful thing I've ever had to endure is loneliness. Because loneliness destroys people. It's the worst thing there is. Because inside we have this innate desire, aggressive desire for connection. And you are willing to sacrifice a lot of shit that means a lot of shit to you for connection. So if you identify that and you get to the heart of it, what can you do to try to find that balance? And if you find that you're sacrificing everything that is special and unique about you for the, for the connection because your parents want you to or your significant other or your siblings or your friends or your social network, that needs to change. If you are so selfish that you're willing to complete, you know, like a lot of these sociopaths we see in Hollywood or in politics, where you're just so fucking bloodthirsty that you, and it's authentic, that you're willing to just destroy everyone in your wake, it's a problem. Somewhere in this really, and it's a really big murky area, somewhere in there is balance with that. So that's my best advice. Do you, do you agree? Because I agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said. I just have no idea how you tied that and got that back to the question initially. It was a great rant. Like, I, I really appreciate it. You had so many gems in there. Every once in a while, I get these questions where it's like, hey, uh, what's the best deadlift tutorial you've seen? Then there's ones where, like, he says, how do you know, you know, how do you know when it's right to just cut? ties with what you're doing right now to go after what means a lot to you these these that shit i've thought about so much i mean i've personally weighed that back and forth constantly still do every time i pick up and change again i think we all went through it during covid for like to a slight extent absolutely absolutely if there's one good thing that came out of covid there were so many people who were on the fence about being like a script writer Mm -hmm. or a guitar player or making macrame birds and selling you know like and they're like well if i get Now's the t- <laughs> well. It doesn't become as much work. It becomes yeah. easier to put in those more hours and that skill acquisition because you're excited because you're about it. Like some of those people who say they love, the love the leg day. Like yeah. I assume some people are you know psychopathic enough to love that pain. Yeah, that feeling in the butt where like you can't really walk and your legs are shaking. You don't really want to stand up. I got that feeling after the bathhouse a couple times. Well, I mean that's where you go for it. But you're you're right in that in that margin too of like young men at the age where it's like i'm still trying to just put this all together it's hard right it's really hard and i I, look after you have kids like again unless you're just a fucking sociopath that all changes and and there's 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 a there's a shitty side to that which is like you do feel like you're sacrificing some of your dreams and wish but there's another there's a a huge level of comfort where it's like oh boo-hoo-hoo like i'm responsible for this person's life the end the small little bit you get from inspiring other people through stuff like this or through training is amplified a million times with a child yeah yeah i I don't have one but that's only what i can well and also like things like i remember in loveline people will call up all the time with like should i leave my husband should i leave my wife you know uh should i dump my boyfriend should i dump my girlfriend i go first question and drew Drew would always agree i go do you have kids no yeah get the fuck out the end if you're not feeling like this person's making you a better person and you're miserable get the fuck you don't even need to get call an attorney are you what get the fuck just leave tell them i can't do this anymore i'm sorry um do you have kids oh yeah i got two. Oh, whoa whoa 
we really got to think about this then you know is divorce maybe divorce is the best thing maybe if you guys are constantly fighting all the time you know they that's no like but let's pump the brakes you know that's a that's i think a clean example of it um but it like people are always like in shitty relationships and i think a lot of it has to do with like the we, we're so desperate for connection, especially in the internet age. We're desperate. Uh, we had loss of communities, and yeah. that's one thing I found here in Austin that's been super helpful for me. Is like, like I told you before, I ran into Tim Kennedy early when moving here, and just seeing someone like that can inspire you, and then inspire you to do things, and then I find community, yeah. and I find like-minded people. So it's been you know pretty beneficial. That's one thing I, I think really soured me, because I I was telling you in the. And I, it was since I was sincere with the episode where Nikki Rod was here that I always dreamed of being like a rock star. Um, and it's totally true. But one thing that I think soured me a big in a big way was I always had these dreams that you'd open up for like a bigger established band and like backstage would be like this community and like Slash would come see and you bet, you know, and like, and I was like, oh, it's you imagine totally. Slash just standing there behind the curtains, just watching everything that you're doing. Yeah. And he has no idea who you are whatsoever. And then you realize, you realize like, yes, yeah, Slash is backstage in the community when Metallica plays, you know, but I always thought like every band, like we like there'd be this brotherhood, you know, same with like, same with comedy. Like, even though I'm not like a big stand, I always thought like, it like had this weird dream that like. David Tell and Jerry Seinfeld are backstage, like cooking up jokes, you know, and like, in reality, there's a lot of guys that are friends, guys and gals, but it's also not as communal as I would have. Yeah, you probably see that more so in comedy than in music, but, and there's a select full, a handful of musicians who are looking for good talents and people to collaborate with and be yeah. like a tastemaker for the future. Some people, some people are just nice guys too. Some people are nice. Oh God, yeah. Oh, God forbid there'd be a good person. Yeah. Some <laughs> people are just nice, you know, so I think they maybe even go overboard with it, but, um, I, I uh, you know, you, I think it's naive, but yeah, yeah. I, I also think like some, maybe that was the way and then it changed. I remember I did this Dodgers Angels celebrity softball game, right? And I'm diehard Dodger fan and raised really close to Dodger Stadium season tickets way before my, I was even born in my family. Anna. And so I was like, I'm not playing on the fucking Angels team. Like, I'm going... And it was like, like, legit Dodger Legends. It wasn't Mike Piazza, but it was... guy. If you're a Dodger fan, I was like, oh my God, I couldn't believe the people that had they had backstage or ba in the locker room. And all those guys, they were talking... All of them. We were, we were talking about, like, uh, Mike Marshall, the pitcher, not the, not the outfielder, first baseman. Um, who else was there? Uh... Bill Russell was there. Bill Russell, the baseball player, clearly, not the basketball player. Um, Steve Garvey was there. I don't think Steve, no, Steve, no, Steve Garvey played. Steve Garvey was there and he played. You know, so was like, and they were talking about how they're like, nowadays, dudes, they, they play for who they get a paycheck from. And they're, no, I'm, we're not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but like, it's a, it's such big business. He said, when, when all of them, to a T, they said, when we played, we fucking hated the Giants. Like, we, we fucking hated them. These were my boys and we loved each other. And like, we fucking hated the Cardinals. We hated the Giants. We hated the fucking Yankees. If we had to meet them in the world series. Nowadays, dudes, they get traded. Like they're on the Dodgers. They get traded. The Giants. They're on the Red Sox. They get traded. The Yankees in two days. They're like, Oh, well, this is my life now. You know, like it, it was different. 
then. So maybe maybe things have changed. There's no burning of the jerseys in the street. No. no well, is that okay? Is, is, that's a question for me. Is there a separation between the athletes and the community then? Because wherever you were, no matter how famous you were in professional sports, you were some part of a community back in the day. Yeah, <clears throat> there's absolutely a separation now. And there always was, I think, with certain teams. I think there had to be. I think, look, if you, you're kidding yourself if you are a Yankee fan or a Laker fan and you don't, uh, certainly Celtics too, I would put the Celtics in that. Um, but it's, it's different. It's fucking different. Being a baseball player in the major leagues is amazing. Being a Yankee is different. Being a basketball player is fucking amazing. Being a Laker is fucking different. It changes. So I do think it's like it's like playing for Manchester United. Like it's different. You Has know? the cachet of both those teams waned over the last ten years? Uh, uh, Yankees for sure. But see, the Yankees, much like the Lakers, the Yankees are a dumpster fire. I mean, I couldn't believe how bad the Yankees have become. But uh, it's only a matter of time before you know what I'm saying. The boys in the pinstripes, they're gonna be. Winning World Series really soon. I feel like the Cowboys keep saying that too. The cow, see the Cowboys. I can't put the Cowboys in the Yankees slash Lakers guy. I don't know if there's an end of. I think the Steelers were there. Certainly the the, the Patriots have become that. Where it's different. Um, but I think there were no besides Brady. There were no stars on those Patriot teams to gravitate behind. It felt more of like a team unit. Yeah, where it doesn't have like the the cachet. That, I think that's all of football too. You know, you know. Basketball especially is a star driven because you're it's only ten dudes on the court at one time and your face is exposed the whole time and you know what I'm saying? Like it's cooler. Like football, you have this weird thing where understandably you look at them as like not human. These are these giant, fast, muscular guys that are smashing into each other. American chess pieces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um but the, you know what I'm saying? Like it's different. I think if you if you are on certain teams, you almost can't do the like local barbecue and we're going to show up in the, because then if, if any, any shitty scrub Laker shows up at like a car dealership opening, it's fucking done. Like the whole, it's over, you know? But you got like Messi showing up at Publix in Miami, just buying bread. No, no, I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm not talking <laughs> about living your life. I'm talking about like doing a, like a, like a broadcast no, that is you know, Messi's a Messi's a weird dude in, in, a, in a good way, much like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I never. <clears throat> if you work out at Gold's Gym in Venice Beach, you know what I'm talking about. So many celebrities, and I don't want to say it's not necessarily their fault because I'm sure it's agents and managers that are doing this, and not even them. But I remember when Ryan Gosling was filming Only God Forgives, the Muay Thai gym that he trained at in the Valley this is like really well regarded Muay Thai uh, school. They would shut it down for hours before it, while Ryan Gosling was training because Ryan Gosling's there, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger to this day will walk into the gym, like, hey, hello, everybody, it's great. Oh, look, your squats are good, huh? Oh, hello, what's your name? You're quite beautiful. No, just here I am, everybody, you know? But he wants that gym experience. Like, that's from someone who came from the gym. Like, he wouldn't want it to be shut down for him. But I also, like I also think it was that's celebrities in the back in the day it's it's a Burt Reynolds passed away and I was reading I was very a big fan of Burt Reynolds and they did an auction of some of his stuff after he passed and he had three cars in Florida and their license plate were Burt 1 Burt 2 and Burt 3 
Can you imagine Chris Pratt driving around L.A. and, you know, Pratt one? No, because the guys are like, uh, I'm, I, I, let me just... Pre- Bert, in 1976, Burt Reynolds would be like, I'm fucking famous. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Where's the pussy? <laughs> you know, I, I just think that, that you can't do that anymore. You know, um, so there is there has to be there's become more of a separation between. But I also think there's been a dangerous separate uh, connection between the community and athletes due to the Internet. We didn't know shit about famous athletes in any prior to the 90s. You didn't know shit. I didn't know shit about Michael Jordan other than he was a magician. He did things that you couldn't believe. Clutch time stuff and just like some of those elbow jumpers he would hit and just it, I couldn't believe Michael Jordan, right? He did in 90s basketball the same like sometimes you would watch those late late 80s Lakers Showtime teams and you're like how it's not even fair. It's like dudes, it's like boys men playing against boys. But I didn't know shit. I, as soon as they got off the court, there was like this belief that they were other world. Now we know all about adultery, drug use, any you know, because we have teams sports and like the, so. Maybe there's too much connection, you know, in in one way, and too little connection in another. Yeah, kind of never meet your heroes, right? That's not always true. Sometimes, sometimes it's really sweet. Yeah, I've had, I've had a few really, that I've met. That's awesome. Yeah, I've I've had a, like a lot of dudes would come into Love Line. I'll met, no, Lemmy was the best. So how, the, how sweet was that? I mean, I mean you're going to talk about, it, but like having someone that you aspire, or like that you look up to so much in your world. Yeah, he's on Love Line. He's in your domain. Yeah, he's on my. Is, um, yes, yes. No, it's sweet, but it's also. It's scary because, not because I'm scared to interview these people. I'm scared they're going to suck. I'm scared they're going to be jerks. Lemmy, whatever fantasy you have of what Lemmy was like, he was absolutely that dude. (coughs) He showed up to Loveline. Now, remember, people, this is a late night show at a radio station. Okay? 10 o'clock at night. At a radio station where there's literally no other people there but me, Drew, and the people who run the boards. We open the door because it's 10 o'clock at night. There's no one at the radio station. Most celebrities, maybe they'd get dressed like they put on a nice pair of slacks or a collared shirt. But they're not going. Some dudes would show up in like like their like house slippers and shit and PJs because it's radio. No one sees you. And it's late. Lemmy showed up in a limousine with random skanky chicks, okay? Open opens the limousine door, just uncalculable incalculable amounts of smoke just like explode out of the fucking door. Lemmy gets out, he okay, with a bottle <laughs> this is 100 percent true. Lemmy gets out with cowboy boots on, tucked like with his pants tucked into his cowboy boots, bottle of Jack Daniels. Big, like bigger than a fit, like a handle of Jack Daniels, opens the door and these like strippers come out, like tatted out gold tooth strippers, you know? And I was like, Lemmy, uh, God, I'm such a huge fan, such, such a pleasure. Oh, fucking nice to meet you, mate. Just for chain smoking, walks in the studio, a cigarette, and Drew and I were like, Should we, oh, you're not, 
You yeah. can't smoke. Oh, fuck. He's got just just guzzling Jackie, but didn't slur one word, didn't was attentive to all the callers and everything. But it was like those are those things where you're like, you have this idealized view of this guy being total rock star, plays by nobody's rules, and then he was that guy. Alternatively, and this is not a bad thing, this is not talking shit. I went to see Henry Rollins, he used to have an I IFC show. Um, Henry Rollins did. I believe called the Henry Rollins show and he would do a talk show thing and then he would have a musical guest and the musical guest was Slayer and everyone in the LA music and media world knew I was like the biggest Slayer fan so I got the phone call hey you want to come down to hell yeah so in between takes you know Jeff Hanneman was wearing like a you know like shin guards with spikes on his forearms and Kerry King was in like the baggy Raider jersey with like you know big military boots and you know and they're rocking they were they were killing they were there was no click track they were playing and they were fucking killing but then in between i'd watch like carrie king like talk to his or like jeff hanneman like hold a kid and i'm like oh like they're humans you know like or, or like carrie king was on oh clearly on the phone with like either his wife or his girlfriend i don't know um and I'm like, oh no, he's like, he's a, a a dude, you know. So there's that, there is that letdown of like, oh, they're just people. You heard his <laughs> girlfriend voice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like, I'm I'm not talking shit, Carrie. He wasn't like, hi, BB. Would you? But uh, you, you that's could, exactly what you're saying. No, no, no. I, you could hear, like, I could tell by the way. So he was like, yeah, I guess I could stop by, you know, the grocery store on the way home. And uh, uh -huh, all right, uh, yeah, we should be done in you know two hours. All right, love you, babe. You know. Did you say? Kerry King picked up tampons on the way home. Yeah. Hey, Kerry King changed his tampon. It was a <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's weird. You're like, oh, you're people. Yeah. It's kind of, um, so yeah, there it's, it's weird, man. But connection is like, don't, you could pretend you're a tough guy or boss bitch. Like I, we all need connection and it, and it drives a lot of what we do either to find that or then pretend like we don't and then you act out you know um let's see hangry hangry fit dad <laughs> that's a good name i'm traveling for work training and will be living in a hotel relying on restaurant takeout food for a month what tips do you suggest to a maintain fitness with limited hotel gym equipment and b maintain decent nutrition while not having a kitchen or equipment to cook with? Um, thanks. Great question. And I, I'm sure one we deal with a lot. As far as the food goes, it's gonna be more important than um, even the training component. Because when we travel, like yeah, you don't have your gym that you're accustomed to and you can't go at, at any time of umpire and you may be relegated to like a couple dumbbells and so what? Training, is like, what can you do to elicit certain responses? And you can do that with n almost nothing, sometimes with nothing. Are you going to be Mr. Olympia with body weight only? No. Are you going to win a powerlifting? No. But can you continually increase like the look of your physique or your performance? Absolutely. With just body weight. Find a way to stay consistent. Um, I would not say like now is not the time to to like get detail oriented. Maybe look for like daily twenty to thirty minute workouts that you can do and stay consistent with them. Um, you know, like a like an upper body, lower body, upper body, lower body type thing. 
<coughs> six days a week, right? Three of each. And then you could do, you know, your pushups and your, your body weight rows day one, and you can do your squats and lunges day two and back and forth, back pull-ups and handstand push-ups or, you know, these show more, uh, uh, vertical plane on day three. But my point being is like, stay consistent, stay active, stay moving, keep yourself, uh, in that, in that zone. It's probably not the time to break out your new, incredibly detailed program that you have to like be progressively overloading a bunch of shit. You know? Also, it's a great time to work on nagging shit that you don't want to do, but you know, now's the time to, if you have, if you jack, but you have terrible posture. Okay. Now's the time. Throw a bag, throw a band in your luggage. And like, now's the time to every day, do your band pull aparts and your, you know, your upside down, you know, like bridge pushups and stuff like work your thoracic and stretches and mobility to like all the shit we all need to do. And we never do, uh, my hips. I always like, I'll get really disciplined for like three days. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to go deadlift. Um, so that, that's my advice with the food. Even though you don't have a kitchen kitchen. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I regular hotel. I was going to say there's always things you can do, but sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's not, I guess. Um, protein shakes. This is a time when I always say, look away from liquid calories at, at all, if at all possible. Look, if you're a truck driver or if you're a grade school teacher that you can't get away for like duration, even heat up something. I Lord knows. I understand uh, protein shaking be handy, but protein shakes here can come in real handy. Figure out ways to, um, maximize stuff that doesn't need to be cooked or kept. What are these things? Cans of tuna. You don't need to refrigerate them. You don't need to keep them. And you eat every bite of it. You don't have to store it in a, in a fridge. Um, you know, you can have a jar of mayonnaise. You know, Mark's Primal Mayonnaise is made without seed oils and stuff. It's great. So you get some plastic silverware. You have tuna and you can pop up. Okay. Um, rotisserie chickens at any supermarket nowadays. You don't even have, you know, it wasn't like 20, 30 years ago where you had to go to like Whole Foods to get a good rotisserie chicken. You go down to... Ralph's, Vaughn's, whatever part of the country, Pathmark, if you're in the East. <coughs> H-E-B out here in Tejas. Everyone has a good rotisserie chicken, right? Um, pretty pretty good, basic, all-around source of nutrition. Really high protein, obviously. Good, healthy fats from the skin and the connective tissue. Go and nibble on them bones and go for it. Um, look, look at your restrictions as your assets as opposed to your weaknesses instead of going oh my gosh i don't have a kitchen and i don't have um you know refrigeration like good big refrigeration i'm going to lose my gains look at it it's like all right i don't have a pantry and i don't have uh, a, a refrigerator or like a giant you know a giant section of refrigeration so i'm this is the perfect time to really buckle down on my diet no more bread products and cake and just one or two of my daughter's uh, cookies as I walk by the, no, I'm pretty, I gotta live a Spartan life. Okay, look, look at this, look what is great about this. I can have some really good bottles of water around me and I can have a rotisserie chicken and uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm tight and see how far you can push that. And, and, um, <clears throat> look at the, look at the upsides as opposed to looking at the, the downside of it. You'll save a bunch of money that way too. Absolutely. Just hitting the grocery store every day afterwards and having something convenient, easy like that. There's, there's, there's no supplement for it. Don't fall back on the convenience of eating out though, because even if you're balling, uh, this goes out to everyone, by the way, even if you're balling, make eating at a restaurant, whether it be fast food or a sit down, nice restaurant, make it be the treat that it should be. Um, because that is everyone I know for the most part, unless they're just, they were raised crazy rich and still are rich. But everyone I know, you go, you show up at a place with the the Starbucks, you know, the, the train to or the venti. They're like, oh, dude, I would have made you a cup of coffee. That's a waste of, crazy waste of money. What do you think of, I'm not even talking, by the way, like I said, I'm not talking about high-end Michelin rated restaurant or anything. What do you think a, a steak and a side at Applebee's is compared to what you could have made at home? As far as money wise, you know? twenty eight ninety nine. Somewhere in that ballpark. I mean, I don't. I genuinely don't eat out a lot. I'm a. I would consider myself a foodie, and it's not even purely financial. It's just you start to. One thing that is a, a latent asset, a latent benefit of starting to care about the food you eat is that I. I actually start to have a connection with my food. Okay. And so when I'm going to go somewhere and sit down and have someone else make food and bring it to me, it's a, it's, it's a celebration. It's a treat. It's a, okay, now I'm really fucked. I, I, you know, I got to be at this meeting in 40 minutes. I'm at this part of Austin. I got to be there. I, I clearly don't have time to go home and heat or even heat something up. I will stop at this hop dotty and get a grass fed burger. Okay. But it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of a real, a real kind of last ditch effort to stay on pace. Um, don't fall into the trap of doing it because one thing, a financial B their job, even a health restaurant or a health place, their job is not to take care of your fucking health. Their job is to sell delicious food that you want to come back and eat again. Okay. It's not their fault. If they have three, four, 500 added calories that you're not even aware of when you got rice and steak because of the butter and the oils and the stuff that you don't even know that went in there or the stuff that the, they had to keep it, you know, to keep it like shelf stable for a long time. It would, it's not their job. They need it. They need you to pay your money and go, this is good. I, yes, you have done your job. I like the taste of this. That's it. That's their only responsibility. So keep that in mind. Okay. Um, my best advice to some summarizes again is stay really consistent. Don't look to be pushing the envelope with your training, but just stay consistent and stay moving and don't overlook how powerful body weight movements and even like um, dumbbell movements and stuff can be in a hotel gym or machines when you kind of really get focused and push the envelope. <clears throat> um, and don't look at this restriction of a kitchen as a big negative. Look at it as, a, as an asset of now, maybe it's time to really get down to the nuts and bolts of what you need to get by as opposed to what you enjoy eating to get by. Um, I can't squat because I've been diagnosed with degenerative disc disease. Oh, holy man. Love leg day, but it's hard to get through one without pain. Body weight stuff doesn't bother me, but I don't feel like it isn't like it's enough. 
Do you have any recommendations for a good leg day for someone who can't squat or bend over with weight? Well, if it's degenerative disc, disc disease, I mean, it's, it's related to your spine. So you can squat with weight just at your sides. You can't put weight on your back. And I would definitely recommend not doing that. I wouldn't even say I wouldn't do that if you're, if you have degenerative disc disease, I'm reticent to do it now as is for me because I'm 44 years old and I, I really beat my body up. So I just don't like to put compression on my spine anymore. I think everyone should at some point be looking to squat, squat heavy because it is a beautiful exercise with a lot of benefits. But if you don't want to have compression on your spine, you could still put weight on squat movements without putting weight in your spine. Of course, there is the lunge, walking lunge, the single leg step up, <coughs> and um, you can do dumbbell squats. Uh, maybe a goblet squat might hurt you just kind of from staying stable. Um, but you could squat with uh, sumo style, you know, with the weights in between your legs out wide so you can get the glutes. Of course, there is things like um, hip thrusts or uh, glute bridges which is not gonna engage the spine in, in a kind of a, a flat, forward flexion or hinge way <clears throat> and won't put any compression on your spine. And um, don't overlook the kind of hypertrophy strength effect of things like running hills because um, you're getting kind of weight training slash uh, anaerobic training at the same time. So uphill, hill running, stair running, um, these are all great and then pushing sleds, things like that. Pushing and pulling sleds are awesome. Um, look into those things, and that's a great way to kind of supplement your situation. Uh, let's see. Last question, looks like. Um, what is your advice for coming out of a weight cut? I've been eating in a caloric deficit for 10 weeks and happy with my current weight. Want to get back to maintenance, but don't want to blow up. Thanks, dude. Love your podcast. Um, look into, yeah, body recomposition, reverse dieting. This is essentially like an overly simplified way of looking at reverse dieting. <clears throat> and just like when you're trying to lose weight, I always say minimum effective dosage of calorie restriction. Well, when you're trying to go back to maintenance, minimum effective dosage of how much you add in. Have the patience, have the discipline to add it in gradually. If you if you have been disciplined about staying at this caloric level for, let's say, 1,800 calories, right, um, for 10 weeks, as you put it, try 2,000. Be really disciplined about getting to 2,000, not too much more. Right? And see how that works out. Adding 200 calories, is it, you're not going to blow up. It's fucking impossible, okay? If you gain three pounds in two weeks, you can go, mm, okay, uh, maybe it's a little much. I mean, let's try 1,900. If you gain zero weight, which is pretty reasonable, by the way, over uh, the next two, three weeks, see how, especially if you're training, you know, you're really com committed to resistance training, see how 2,100, 2,200 works. You know, anything more than two or three. This is for normal-sized people, okay? <clears throat> Have super heavy people, super uh, with lots of body fat, super heavy. Um, you can lose 
three, four pounds in a week. And like, I'll be like, yeah, keep going. Yeah. Um, and vice versa. You know, when you see, if you watch like my 600 pound life now, you don't have to be that big, but if you ever do, you'll see some of the times like they'll be really motivated. They'll go and they'll lose like 40 pounds in a month. And then she'll be like, oh, my cat died. And then go, and then they'll gain 10 pounds in a week. You know, that when you're talking about those extremes, that's kind of the, if you're a normal sized person, I would say two pounds in either direction in a week is about as much as you want to go. Um, two pounds in a seven day period is right at the area where you're looking at, okay, this isn't just water. There's maybe uh, a half pound or a quarter pound of, of, you know, muscle mass or at least amino sarcoplasmic stuff filling up my muscles and potentially not body fat, anything over within a week. If you're getting more than two, you can rest assured that you're going to accrue body fat at that rate. Okay. So you pump the brakes. If it's one pound in a week, see how you feel with those one pound. You know what I'm saying? Play it by ear. I think you were saying, I want to go back to maintenance. Keep adding weight calories in a 200 calorie increment until you stop staying at maintenance. Take advantage of your new metabolic health, which is there's a lot made of it that I don't know if is scientifically proven. One thing is scientifically proven. The more muscle you have on your frame, the more you can eat and stay the same weight. <clears throat> Here's very, very, very few calories are actually burned through movement. I'm not saying don't exercise because the health benefits are, but most calories, mo- like way the most calories are burned from just existing in this human body. When you are muscular, the amount that you go through is way higher, way higher than someone who's uh, obese or out of shape. So take advantage of that. Go as high as you can go while maintaining the same weight over a week to two week periods. Um, and then when you hit that threshold, you know where you're at. Try to first add calories with protein. <clears throat> I would next add calories with uh, carbs, um, depending on how active you are. If you're not very active, I would start the problem with adding calories with fat is that it's going to be super small amounts of fat. There's nine gram, nine calories in every gram of fat. There's four calories in every protein uh, or carbohydrate gram. So you're literally looking at twice, a little bit over twice the amount of caloric density. So always add protein first and just see, play it by ear. That's the best way to get back to a maintenance and see where your new maintenance may be. All right. Uh, thanks again to everybody involved, Giorgio. Thank you. Everybody involved, including Bluetooth, uh, Bet Online, Believe. My Patreon is available to you. And thank you, First Detachment. And in this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember, I do. Be good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. 
our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.